0: Welcome to C3 Church Central Coast Sermon Cast. We pray that you'll be inspired and impacted by this message and trust that you're better equipped live your best life. God knows us better than we know ourselves. And uh, the Bible helps us understand ourselves, helps us understand others, helps us understand God, and helps us understand the world in which we live and how all things work together. And one of the clearest and easiest to understand places for this revelation about life is in the Psalms. And I want to look at one Psalm today. So, If you have a Bible, turn to Psalm 37, a very favourite Psalm of mine and perhaps others. And I want to read the whole psalm, which is quite a bit, but the Bible tells us we should have the scriptures read and then we're not going to study it all in detail, but we'll go back to one particular passage. Psalm 37, verse 1. This is a psalm of David. He's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, King David, as you know, what a great life. You can read about him and you can see how he had his ups and downs and all the stuff of life that goes on, but he's very experienced in walking with God through the stuff of life and here he is reflecting on it saying verse 1 do not fret because of those who do it because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong for like the grass they will soon wither like green plants they will soon die away trust in the lord and do good dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture delight yourself in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart commit your way to the lord trust in him And he will do this. He'll make your righteousness shine like the dawn and the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Don't fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while... And the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose ways are upright. But their swords will pierce their own hearts, and their bows will be broken. Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked. For the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The blameless spend their days under the Lord's care, and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. But the wicked will perish. Though the Lord's enemies are like the flowers of the field, they will be consumed. They will go up in smoke. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be destroyed. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was young. And now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. Turn from evil and do good. Then you'll dwell in the land forever. For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones wrongdoers will be completely destroyed. The offspring of the wicked will perish. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouths of the righteous utter wisdom and their tongues speak what is just. The law of their God is in their hearts and their feet do not slip. The wicked lie in wait for the righteous intent on putting them to death. But the Lord will not leave them in the power of the wicked or let them be condemned when brought to trial. Hope in the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are destroyed, you will see it. I've seen a wicked and ruthless man flourishing like a luxuriant native tree. But he soon passed away and was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. Consider the blameless. Observe the upright. A future awaits for those who seek peace. But all sinners will be destroyed. There will be no future for the wicked. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He, for he delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Okay. Well, well, there's a sermon, isn't it? Just, why don't we just read another Psalm? We can just spend now reading the Psalms. As I said, very clear revelation about life and that you can see this there's two main themes or two main ways of living that are paralleled here. Do you notice the word wicked appears a few times? Now that's not cool, modern, wicked, sick, it's really good kind of wicked. You know how young people say wicked, oh sick, oh yeah, awful, bad, oh that's horrible, but it kind of means good, you know. Well no, no, this is truly wicked, as in bad. There is wickedness. There's, you know, evil, wrong, falsehood, and, and, and we need to be aware of that. And uh, we need to not just face up to the reality of it out there we 've got to be aware that we 're susceptible to it in here in our own hearts. In fact, the Hebrew word used for wicked there can also be translated ungodly in other words, in other words, anything that isn 't of God or not following God, not for god and uh, and there's so you 've got obviously you know murderers and thieves and wicked people but in our own hearts in our own lives in more subtle ways we can be susceptible to that same influence maybe just a a harboring of hurt or unforgiveness towards someone or telling a little white lie or you know some subtle it's still something that is not of god and we want to be aware of that and and so when you read through here you learn that god's happy to call something wicked and evil you know in this day and age of Relative truth and know what's good for you and who are you to say what's wrong or right and well God's able to tell us what's right and wrong and it's okay to be able to say no that's wicked that's evil that's wrong don't do that you know and I I so appreciate our youth ministry see up here all the hearts you know they uh, did a great job on Friday I saw some photos and they're talking about the whole dating thing and uh, you know there's a worldly way of doing relationships. And then there's a godly way of doing relationships, and they're very different. It's black and white. And the world says, oh, this is cool. Yeah, you know, explore and, and, you know, and God says, no, don't, find one person, marry them, stick with them, and be intimate with them, you know? And, uh, and that's God's way. And it's different to the world's way, isn't it? And uh, in fact, I read an article uh, while we were away, uh, you know, someone in their 30s t- saying, oh, you should be glad if you're single in your 30s or your 40s that you didn't get married young because you had no idea back then. And, uh, you know, and I'm thinking, well, that's not to say you have to get married young, but if God leads you to the right person at whatever age, and, you know, then then that's that's cool. That's, that's God's way. And, uh, and if he's got you, you know, waiting for Mr. Right until you're a little older, then that's cool as well. But you don't have to do what the world says and flow, flow that way. So God's quite happy to, to just label things wicked. And, uh, and then we also learn the, the consequences of living like that. You can see they're not good. And, and thirdly, we then, Therefore, want to avoid being wicked in ourselves, in our own ways. Um, but you can see the other lifestyle promoted here, and that's um, someone who is godly or following God or trusting God and therefore being made righteous. Not righteous in ourselves, but just trusting in God. And you can see, again, the blessings that are talked about here and uh, and the parallels between these two ways of living. The wicked might have short-term gain... And that's mentioned, but there's a long-term pain and judgment. And conversely, the godly might have short-term pain, but long-term gain. They've got issues and stuff that we face up to and go through, but if someone's faithful and consistent in following God, then they're going to get things working out. They're, they're going to dwell in the land. They're going to inherit the land. They're going to be blessed. These are some of the things I've talked about. Um, and you can compare different lives. Uh, I was thinking recently two world leaders that are in the news at the moment, uh, Muhammad, uh, Muhammad Gaddafi and Queen Elizabeth. And, uh, you couldn't get two lives more different. You know? And yet they're, they're both figureheads, states people, uh, you know, world, recognized leaders, and as I said, in the news for completely different reasons. You know, you've got uh, Gaddafi who had it all. He, he secreted away billions of dollars that he had ripped out of his own country for his own personal use all over the world, and he can't use it now. And he met such a tragic, dramatic, violent end, and uh, though world leaders are uh, questioning perhaps the means on which his end came, they're certainly not missing him. And I've seen some public statements like that saying, well, we're not quite sure about how justice was carried out, but they're basically saying we're not fussing too much that he's gone, you know, because he was wicked in every sense of the word, it seems. You know, he seemed to epitomise that kind of living. And compare him to Queen Elizabeth, who's, we were away while she was here, um, but read about her and she's, you know, got a remarkable career if you can call it that or, or fulfillment of her calling in life having you know come to the throne at, at a young age she's worked hard you know she's the constitutional monarchy uh, figurehead of of our nation I know a preacher recently who let slip something he's preaching about kings of the Old Testament and said oh we don't have kings today and carried on uh, it was me uh, and and wh- wh- what I meant was kings in, the, in that sense. Of course, I reckon you know we we're Queen Elizabeth, you know, head of state official. What I meant was a, a you know a, a monarchy that holds absolute power. You know, so she's got this figurehead position, but she fulfils her role uh, amazingly well. She's come to I think the trip she just had. She's 85 years old, and this is her 16th visit to Australia. 85 walks up the steps to the plane on her own. Did you notice? You know, quite happy to walk up the steps. Looks awesome. Always got matching pink trim on the pink hat or the tulle or the, hey, I'm up on the news because they always talk about her outfits. You notice that? They always say, you know, what's the queen wearing? And who gets to wear a full-on diamond headdress thingo? I'm not sure if that's the technical term for it. Tiara? Right, thank you. Because she was at the, you know, Chogham thing, head of states of all the different uh commonwealth countries and then she was you know walking in there and she and and there's julia and everyone looking their best but hey you don't get to wear a diamond tiara and then the queen walks in so wow and um you know so i think she's done an amazing job she's next year she will celebrate her diamond jubilee that's 60 years on the throne and she's held her marriage together for longer than that so god bless her and um And that's, you know, the, the kind of lifestyle that here is, and she's had, she, famously, she said herself, the Annus Horribilis, you know, the year that was horrible, a horrible year, about 10 or 20 years ago, with family strife and all that, but she's carried on. Now, I want you to look at one passage in particular in this whole psalm. It's the first six verses. Let's read them again. It says, do not fret because of those who are evil, or be, sorry, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass they will soon wither, like green plants they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to him, to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn. The justice of your cause like the noonday sun. So, I notice in these six passages, when you look at it in a bit of detail, sorry, these six verses of this passage, there's about eight things that God specifically calls us to do. And there's about three things that in turn he promises to do. Because who knows that God's promises are conditional. You know, There's a wonderful array of promises and blessings in the word of God, but it's relied on us following him. And so we need to... You know, be aware of what we should do, and then there is great blessing that can benefit us as a result. Look at the first thing here, it says, do not fret. Do not fret because of evil men, or because of evil doers. So as we said, there is evil in the world, people do bad things, and God says, don't worry about it. You know, don't, don't stress about it, don't fret about it. It'll work out. He says it'll work out. It'll work out for you, and it'll work out for them. And you know, maybe, in fact, probably you've had something bad happen to you. And someone's done something bad, maybe intentionally or unintentionally, but there's guaranteed people together, there's gonna to be hurt, there's gonna be problems, there's gonna be strife, there's gonna be evil. And it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone who hurts you is an evil person and you just pray, Oh God, strike them down, send fire from heaven evil doing you. Ah, you know, and sort of, you know, someone cuts you off in the traffic or they don't give you the right change at the shop or someone looks at you at the wrong way at work. doer, <laughs> You know, I'm not talking about that, you know, judging and attacking people and blaming people. Because the Bible says we don't fight against flesh and blood. You know? There's a devil. He's the source of evil. People, we're all broken. We're all, you know... <laughs> imperfect and capable of doing the wrong thing and so that's why jesus said the thing about the plank and the splinter and hey just don't start you know we've all got our deal so um jesus is you know telling us don't judge right here god saying don't fret don't worry uh you know and um and so it's our choice, really, whether when evil happens to us, what we're going to do, what we're going to fret about it. One of the clearest, most well-known examples of someone handling evil that uh, we've ever come across is Joyce Meyer, and many of you would know her. She's perhaps the most well-known women's speaker, one of the most well-known Christian speakers uh, in the world. And um, and we first met her in 1992 before she was well known. When we were on our way to Russia in uh, Dallas, a great church there, pastored by Mike and Vicki Hankins, and um, we were staying in the church and speaking at their youth camp, and the church was like a sister church to our home church, Oxford Falls, sending us on with a blessing on towards Russia. And so we were there for several weeks uh, and while we were there, someone said, Oh, you must come. Well, we were going on every Sunday. I think Ruth went to a special women's meeting during the week. But again, on Sunday, and we were sitting on the, the platform because we were like Pastor Phil's kids that were being sent out and we were, you know, on the platform each Sunday for about two or three Sundays, not preaching, but just, just being there and part of the pastoral team. And they had this lady who we had never heard of and most people there hadn't heard of. She was just starting out in public ministry. And I can remember hearing her voice thinking, whoa, you know, she's got such a strong, deep, rough, is that too rude a word? Just, you know, voice, very strong. Uh, and then of course she shared her testimony of being abused as a child by her own father. And you, you, your heart just breaks. And then, but she talks about grace and victory in Jesus and how she had forgiven and overcome and moved forward and turned her lemon into lemonade and all, you know, that sort of whole theme of living that that is available for us all. And no one can go up to her and say, you don't know what I've been through. It's all very well for you to be up there with your bling and your fancy clothes and looking, uh, you know, you can't say that to her. You know, oh, you're just a famous preacher. You wouldn't have any idea what I'd be. Oh, yes, she does. You know, what a great testimony. So she decided I'm not going to fret over evildoers, even when it was my own father. What a great story. And so I'm always happy to listen to her because she's practiced what she preaches. She's been through the fire to come out the other side, you know. So if you ever need encouragement when you're going through a hard time, grab one of her books or tapes or turn on the telly and watch her on one of the Christian programs because she's got good stuff to say about just getting through life and she's done it. And then it says, look, um, don't fret. It says, don't be envious of those who do wrong. And as you read later in this psalm, uh, it talks about people who do wrong But who are doing well And we might be tempted to, to be envious Like it says, um, verse 7 Don't fret when people succeed in their ways Verse 35 I've seen wicked and ruthless men flourishing And he's saying, look, don't be envious It's very easy to wish that you had what someone else had But of course they're probably wishing that you've got That they had some things that you've got That you take for granted you know, and, uh, and wealth, particularly worldly success, can be very alluring, very attractive, but it, it's a cliche, but money doesn't make you happy. It's true. You know, money doesn't, wealth, worldly fame, success, it doesn't bring joy, peace, relationships with spiritual family, Christian brothers and sisters, eternal life. Hello? I mean, every day you open the newspapers, you read an obituary uh, of someone who was, you know, famous, brilliant, successful, wealthy Or all of them mixed in together And yet they've gone Steve Jobs You know, brilliant, amazing You know, in, inventive, creative mind With great successful life 56, four, fifty. You know, in his 50s, gone where, I don't know where he is now But it doesn't matter how many things he invented His iPod's not going to save him You know, it's his relationship with Christ That's the most important thing So no point being envious um, of people because we've all got our own life to live, our own opportunity to get saved, to walk with God, and then to follow his you know, calling, and we'll, we'll be blessed in our own way. Um, and there's the first promise or or uh, consequence that God talks about here in this little passage. He says, don't be envious, don't be fretting, because, because like grass, they'll be gone. They'll wither, they'll die away. And so that's not so much a promise for us, but it's just a sense of, well, God's going to do something eventually to sort things out. And if, you know, you feel like an injustice has been done, you think someone, God's the judge, he's going to sort things out, and uh, and there's comfort, comfort for us there. Uh, look at um, the next thing he calls us to do is to trust. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Well, there's a theme. That's not a bad theme, is it? It's mentioned later on in this passage too. Verse five, and it's a, a theme for the whole psalm. In fact, it's mentioned a few thousand times in the Bible. Trust in the Lord. That's not a bad theme to live your life by, is it? And look, the fact is, we all are trusting all the time in something and somebody. Every day. Every day. You leave the house, you trust it. You get in a car, you're trusting that someone is going to stay on their side of the road. You know? You get in a taxi, you're trusting not just in the people on the other side of the road, you're trusting in the guy behind the wheel and you're in the back seat. And if you're in Bangkok, you've got no seatbelt in the back seat. By law, you only have to have seatbelts in the front. So the taxi drivers then take the seatbelts out the back. I don't know why they don't leave them in there. And some of them drive like maniacs. They're honestly, they're just, you know, well, I was going to say you'd think they're on something. And some of them are. We, true, we got, a, we got a cab at 5am the other morning. And that guy had been driving all night, and I reckon he was on something to keep him going through the night. And he was, you know, and I speak, you know, enough Thai to get around to know when someone's talking funny, and when we're talking about payment, and I always give them a bit more than I need to. And this guy started to lose the plot because he had helped me with the bags, putting them in the car. And when I started to get the bags out of the car, it was really weird. He sort of went off, and and the next thing he's throwing my bags on the ground, literally. And so we're, we're having words. He said, no tip for you, mate. You know, ah, oh, and he wanted more money for the bags. And oh, I'm thinking, flip, would have given you more money if you weren't a psycho. And uh, it's true. <laughs> Can you edit that out of the tape, please? This just... Didn't I say earlier on that we're all susceptible to sort of, you know, the old nature? Um, I prayed for him. It's true. It's okay. Um you know, but we do, we trust, listen, you get on an aeroplane, you don't even get to see the driver. I mean, at least in a taxi driver, you get to suss, whoa, no I'll get the next cab, you know, the guy's like, you know, if he's a crazed looking guy and frothing at the mouth, yeah, where do you want to go? You know, you'd, you'd say, oh, it's, oh it's okay, I'll walk or I'll get another cab. You, know, you get on an aeroplane, you don't know who's in the cockpit. You don't get to see him. could. There might be no one there. It could be frothing in the mouth. It could be the taxi driver's brother who's worse. Get this. Get this. There's a sign, and if you a friend of mine on Facebook you would have seen, I put it up there, I couldn't resist, the photo of a sign at the international airport in Bangkok. And it says in Thai, but then in English translated, and it's got to be no guns, you know, cross red, no guns. You think fair enough? No guns anywhere, anywhere. Oh no, no no. You read the you read the fine print. It says, do not bring firearms here. If you want to load firearms onto the plane, see check-in counter. <laughs> the Thais have a saying. They say, Thailand only, meaning you know, like only in Thailand. Uh, and uh, I just thought. That's hilarious. It's like, it's not that you can't bring your guns. It's just at least check them in. M16, a few hand grenades. Okay. Could I have them back when the drinks come so I can hijack the plane, please? You, have this, you know, and so you're trusting in, you know, all different times. So, hey, let's trust God. That's the point. God's, you know, a good pilot of your life and driver, and he's not going to take you the wrong way if you follow him. Yeah. Uh, do good. Well, there's a, a, a good statement. Trust in the Lord. Look, verse three. Do good. Do good. I love it. Now, of course, we trust for our salvation. You don't do good to get saved. You don't good. You don't. You don't earn God's love and blessing and place in heaven and eternal life and all that. We accept that. We don't earn it. But having earned it, let's do good because there's bad out there. Why, why doesn't someone do some good? And we have got the opportunity to do good. We've got the goodness of God flowing through us. So he can overcome, you know, evil. And rather than just saying the taxi driver's a psycho and write him off, which I did. But I, as I said, I did pray for him. You know, I just thought, when I had words, he's throwing my bags around uh, on the ground. And I'm like, hey, settle down, back off, you know. But then I feel, oh, God, what's wrong with that guy? You know, and rather than just carrying it with me all day, going, idiot, get his number, have a go at him." I feel the call to pray for him, you know? And, um, and there's, you know, there's a lot of bad out there. Wow. And, and yet a little bit of good, you know, a little bit of good goes a long way. The other day, we, like Ruth said, we had a few days, um, on an island down the south of Thailand, which was just awesome because Ruth had only ever preached in Bangkok. She, you say Bangkok, she, (laughs) because she just thinks preaching. That's all I do. Preach, preach, and then get on a plane exhausted. So we organized to have, uh, Five days. He just spent the last five days on an idyllic tropical island. You know, it was awesome. And uh, we went off to this restaurant that looks out over the Andaman Sea, seeing the sunset, and there's a young um, guy there eating dinner on his own, a backpacker guy, you know. So we start chatting, and um, he's going, oh, yeah, he's got a good, nice camera. And uh, I said, here, let me take a photo of you with the sunset in the background. No, 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 you know. I said, and I knew exactly what he was thinking. You know, I said, "I bet your mum and dad have no photos of you because he, you know, so doesn't want to show off or something." I said, "Your mum and dad would like a photo of you." So come on, let me take your photo because he's taken landscape photos and he's got a Nikon camera. And so I take a decent photo for him, and he's a little bit embarrassed. But, and then he and then we we're right next to his table, and he's on his own, and uh, and he's finished his meal, and it was only a small portion, little. Thai food. I said, "How's your mean? He goes, "Oh, it's a good, but small portion." You know, he's Belgian guy and he's young, young strapping fellow that need more. Food. And we ordered too much food, so I said, "Here, some, have some of ours." Oh, no, no, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't. And so we really, you know, force. I said, "Look, just think of your mother." You know, we're just feeding you, okay? Do as you're told. So I, I split up our food, gave it to him, and we kept chatting. He's happy with that, you know. And uh, you could just see his—he um, was—he was blessed, and because he's doing it really cheap, he's doing the classic. Backpacker, living off a shoestring, traveling around Asia, trying to find yourself, this kind of thing. And, um, and no one's got enough to be generous with, you know, normally. If you eat with another backpacker, you know, you're licking your plate for the last bit of rice, you know. And so here we are saying, yeah, have my, he's like, really? (laughs) You know, so, uh, but you could just see just a tiny little bit of good. And then at the end of the meal, um, we, uh, we shouted, we paid for his meal. I mean, that really freaked him out because we were going to check out at the same time and I just grabbed the receipt and said, oh, here, I'll pay for both. And I beat him, you know, before he could because I can do it in Thai and they, he doesn't know and then he realises, what, oh, no, oh, oh, you know. But we had a real, really sort of, but we had a great opportunity to witness to him because he found out, you know, we're Christians, what we do for a living and it was like... Oh yeah, the rubber hits the road. You're practicing what you preach. We're not just pretending to be nice people. We genuinely want to bless you, and we, and uh, you know, and, and we we really encourage him to consider, with all his travels, you know, who Jesus is, and uh, and and just to see. He said, "Oh, because he couldn't believe how young Ruth looked." You know, he, he said, "Oh, you're not that old." Well, that's okay. And we said, "Well, it's the joy of the Lord." You know, that's God. That's, that's it. Sounds like a cliche, but it's true. God is keeping you blessed. Anyway, it was just a great little little example for us of just doing something good, and it, and you and you get blessed. Jesus said, "It's more blessed than to give than to receive." You get blessed to see someone benefiting from your just a little bit of generosity and their heart opening to hear something a bit more important. Uh, you know about life notice it says dwell in the land dwell in the land as a decision dwell in the land and, and you know that's interesting because we're not to be you know living with the world influencing us our ultimate home is in heaven but while we're here we should settle you should feel settled you should put your roots down build some relationships become effective building God's church ministering to people it says, uh, enjoy safe pasture. And that's linked to dwelling, you know, really sitting around, enjoying the pasture, enjoying what God wants to bless you with. In fact, other parts of that psalm talks about God's blessing on people who are generous, which we heard over the offering, including blessing on their children. You know, uh, righteous give generously, verse 21. I was young and now I'm old, verse 25, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They're always generous. They're lending freely. And so this is, this is part of enjoying God's pasture, doing things God's way, being generous and enjoying the blessing that comes as a result. And as we said, as Ruth was saying, we've met people in the last couple of weeks who are affected by the floods in Thailand, but they're enjoying life. Uh, you know, I had a guy come to one of the services I spoke at whose house has been flooded and stuff being washed away and yet he got through the floods to get to the house of god and he said i'm i'm wanting to be in god's house and i this is where i belong i'm nothing's going to stop me <laughs> what do they say come hell or high water there you go uh and he had his stuff washed away and i just prophesied over him said, so you're in the right place your wife probably wanted you to get a new bed and you've been saying no 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 this old you know, saggy one's fine. Now it's time for a new bed. The old one's gone, you know, and all the ties laugh. And, uh, but I know that there's someone in that church that will give him a bed, you know. Like he's not that well off, but I know other people that are better well off, and I'm saying this out thinking, and I say, God will look after you. You're going to get a new bed, and, and, uh, and I know in God's house. You know, we've, And some of you have benefited from that. Come back from overseas, know where to live. Oh, gee, what do you know? Someone's moving overseas for three months. Here, have our place. You know, no one's going no one no one here is no gonna starve. You know, you, we're not gonna let you starve. No one's gonna go without a home. You know, it's it's the house of God. It's, it's enjoying safe pasture that God gives us, Amen. And uh, and deciding to enjoy it too, like enjoy life, be thankful, enjoy this life, the one you've got, even if there are floods or whatever's going on. And then uh, seven, the seventh thing God says. Delight yourself in the Lord. Well, there you go. That's linked to the second main promise. God says he'll give us the desires of our heart or the petitions that are in our heart that we feel like asking. Because you can ask something from God, but how do you know it's going to happen? Well, if you're delighting yourself in God, he's going to sift those desires, those petitions, those requests. They're going to get sifted and then you're going to realize actually, I don't feel like that is God's will. Actually, I don't even want that now. I don't. Or you're going to go, God, that desire has not gone away. I really do believe that's your will. I'm gunning for that, but I'm not going to chase for that. I'm going to keep chasing after you. And you know what? You keep chasing after God, and all those things that you need and you want, they happen. And, you know, we have life scriptures, and we have scriptures for a season. This became a special scripture for me many years ago when I met a young lady at Bible College, and I thought, wow, God, I reckon that's a pretty good deal I can see happening here. I've, you know, If I was you, this is what I would do. I would make sure she falls in love with me because I'm pretty keen, and I reckon it'll work out. She's the kind of person that I want, and then I reckon that we'd be a good match and all this. But I was aware of delighting myself in God not making it happen, not putting on the moves or try to, you know, woo her or win her or do some, I was just, and so we spent a year seeking God and writing little notes in class, you know, or doing whatever, uh, you know, but really feeling that sense of I'm delighting myself in you, God, and yes, that is the desire of my heart, but I'm aware that, hey, God, if we're not right, I don't want to. She doesn't want me. If you you know, really. Why chase something if it's not God? Why knock the door down just because, you know, he's a hunk or she's a spunk or you know, but 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 you know, get whoever's right and it's not just in relationships, every aspect of your life. Delight yourself in God. Seek after God and then bring those petitions to him and say, God, I feel like I want this job and I, I would like that to happen. I want these doors to open, but but God I'm just going to seek you about it and I pray that your will be done. You know, there are some things we know God's will. Oh, God, should I be sick? Should I die? I don't know. Should I die of cancer or not? No, that's clear. That's in Scripture. So you fight for that. You know that's God's promise. But there's a lot of stuff where if it be thy will is relevant. You know, Pentecostals haven't liked that term. If it be, oh, it's not faith, brother. Yeah, well, it it is a form of faith if you really don't know what God's will is. And then you were seeking direction. So, God, if it is your will, this is what I'm feeling. But if it's not your will, then sift and purify my heart and take that desire out. And praise God, the desire didn't go away. And the desire was reciprocated, you know, and uh, and it was not unrequited love but reflected. And, you know, 25 years, next year, we will have celebrated marriage together. And so... um, and uh, and that's why we needed the five days away just to save our marriage. You know, uh, but you know it's true of material things. You know, don't chase after stuff. Just chase after God, and He'll give you the stuff. And not just your needs. You know, people say, "Oh, God will give you needs, not your greeds." Well, He says, "You know, He'll." You know, the people have said that. Oh, young always like, "Oh, God, give me bread and water, and with that I will be content." You know. Uh, it's, 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 the Bible says in First Timothy, is it verse seventeen of chapter six? It says God richly provides us with all things for our enjoyment. Enjoyment, you know, so you can have bread and water and. Cake and mango and chocolate and, you know, whatever. All right, finally, number eight, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he'll do this. He'll make your righteousness shine like the dawn. So again, this is similar to delighting yourself. It's, it's talking of your, your purpose in life, your commitment to God. Just saying, God, whatever I'm going to do with my life, I'm committing it to you. Whatever my career aspirations are, my pursuits, my the, the, the direction of my life, I'm committing it over to you, so I want you to help me direct it. Give me some direction. And, I, and whatever I give over to him is blessed. Whatever I don't surrender to him cannot be touched, adjusted, blessed, corrected by him. And so God respects our free will. It's up to us whether we're going to commit. Yeah. And if we do, isn't that interesting? Your righteous cause... Your vindication, and and so I want to just finish with this thought: What is your righteous cause that you think should be vindicated, should shine like the noonday sun? Surely not just getting a new car, you know? Woo Oh wow! That's my goal in life, you know? Again, material things fine. God will bless them with this, but there's got to be a cause in our heart that's a little more than just me, me, me. Surely it's building the church, witnessing to people, loving. Our neighbor, making the world a better place, serving God, building the house. You know, this is a righteous cause, a just cause, something to live for beyond myself. And God will bless that and let that shine when we're committed to Him. Amen? And so there's two ways of living there. You want to be Gaddafi, you want to be Queen Elizabeth. Well, sadly, ladies, it's too late. You can't, you're not, you're born into the wrong family. You're never going to be princess or queen. Um, And, And so they're just two famous examples. But in our own way, we have those directions in life to be a righteous person, a godly person over the long period of time or to follow the ways of the world and be evil and wicked. So let's make the choice, yeah? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we feel your call directed towards you, committed to you, trusting in you. And so we turn away from worldliness, wickedness, the deceitfulness of the flesh and the heart that can be allured into the world's way of doing things. Lord God, we want to follow you, full on for you, full on for Jesus, committed to God, trusting in God, delighting ourselves in God. You're my delight. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. Lord God, in in your house comes the theme of, of my praise in your great assembly. Lord God, you are the theme of our life. Jesus, you're my great pursuit. Help that to be our cry every day, not just sport or work or friends or fun times, but Lord, let all that just take its place behind a, a pursuit of you and, and the cause of Christ. And Lord, let that shine in our lives and in our church and into our community, just cause. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless everyone here today, we pray. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this message and feel challenged and encouraged. Please let others know about this free podcast so they too can grow and learn to live their best life. You can find out more about our church and ministries at www.c3cc.org.au. God bless you.